Well, good morning. If you don't know me yet, my name is Josiah. I'm the pastor of Young Adult Ministries here at Grace. And it's such an honor to look into scripture and see what the Lord has to say for us today. I'm calling this message painfully simple because it's so simple that we've heard it since we were a child, but it's painful because it's something that we all pretty desperately still need. We're gonna talk about a tool that is available to all of us that could enhance the lives of the people around you, that could make their lives better. This is a tool that could be used to reduce other people's anxiety, to increase people's hope, to calm people's fears, to give people strength, to increase people's confidence and give them joy. Do I sound like an advertisement? I know I do, but I don't think I'm overselling it. Before I tell you what it is, if you had a tool like that at your disposal that could do that for other people, that could enhance people's lives in that way, would you be committed to using it? If it took a little bit of skill to get better at it, would you be committed to honing your skills in this area? Well, we're gonna talk about this tool that we all have access to that could truly bless the lives of people around us is words of encouragement. Building others up with words, true words spoken, motivated by love. I agree with John Maxwell that everyone needs encouragement. And everyone, young or old, the successful or less than successful, unknown or famous, who receives encouragement is changed by it. And Dr. Larry Crabb, who says, in all that is done, keep three truths in mind. One, that people are hurting more deeply than we know, and more than they themselves sometimes know. Two, that a relationship with Christ provides resources unique and indispensable to substantially heal now and perfectly heal forever. And only, and number three, only an encouraged community will be able to sustain missional involvement. What he's saying is that getting good at encouraging one another is actually critical for the health of our community. And it's critical for our ability to engage together in our mission of exalting Jesus by making disciples who love Jesus, grow with others, and serve the world. It's critical for our mission that we get good and that we're generous with words of encouragement. About a month ago, I read a book to my son Silas, who's eight years old, called The Portal. It's a Christian fantasy book by a guy named Bill Myers. I'd highly recommend for anybody with preteens. My eight-year-old was a little scared at a couple of parts, but still a great read. Um, in the book, there's two main characters, a boy named Nate and a girl named Denise, and they find themselves entering into another dimension, another world. And in this world, in one of the scenes, the boy Nathan starts speaking some gossip behind Denise's back. He speaks hateful words about her. And even though she's not even in the same area as him, she can't see him doing this, she feels pain, like punches in the gut, excruciating pain from his words. Fast forward a couple scenes, and Denise catches up to Nate, and he's in dire trouble. He's in grave danger. He's about to die if he doesn't find enough strength to get himself out of the predicament he finds himself in. 
And even though Nate and Denise don't get along, Denise doesn't want him to die. And so she, um, kind of feeling desperate, thinks, what could I possibly do to help him? He's across this chasm. She can't get to him. How could I help him? And she has this thought. If words in this world of hatred could hurt me physically, I wonder if words of encouragement could give him strength. And so she speaks out words of encouragement. You can do this. We believe in you. And he gets physically stronger. I think Bill Myers was on to something. Proverbs 18.21 says it like this. The tongue has the power of life and death. Hateful and deceitful and discouraging words actually have the power to weaken people, actually have the power to harm people. But true words spoken in love have the power to supply what is lacking in somebody, to build into somebody, to strengthen them. The power of words is why Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.29 these, these instructions. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our words have such deep impact on each other that we have to guard what we say. And we also need to be careful to be saying words that are building others up in positive ways. This word building in this verse, in the original Greek that it was written in, is a construction word. It's the same word that they would use for building a house or constructing a temple. It means building. And so we get the sense in the verse that with our words, we can actually supply what is missing in somebody. Our words are actually like building materials that we can use to give people what they need, to give people strength or courage or understanding where they need it. We can actually build each other. This isn't the only verse that uses it. There's lots. Let me show you two more. First Thessalonians 5:11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Encouragement and building each other up, same Greek word, are used in parallel here. It's the same thing you can build somebody with your encouragement. I love that it says, just as, in fact, you are doing, because I want to acknowledge that there are many people in this congregation, many people in this room, many people engaging online that are good at this, that are engaging in encouragement regularly, that have strengthened me. I'm so grateful. And I know you're probably sitting here thinking of some people who are gifted at encouragement and who are generous with encouraging words. And aren't we so grateful for those people in our lives? Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you. We're looking up to you and learning from you. Because words of encouragement supply what's lacking, constructs where there's a void of courage or strength or confidence or direction or other kinds of truth that's needed. Again, in Romans 14, 19, it says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. That word edification there being the same Greek word being build each other up. So we're supposed to put some effort into it. We're supposed to put some thought and some energy into how we can successfully build someone else up. On the other hand, if we speak words of hatred, either whether to their face or behind someone's back, or if we speak out loud the discouraging lies that the enemy's always trying to get us with, we can actually harm people. 
we can actually, it still kind of builds them if you think about it. It still adds something to them, but it's not good. If you're building into them a lie or something uh, that's, not, that's discouraging about them, they might receive it as truth. They might receive that as something that is true about them, but it's destructive. I had a friend in college who was a fantastic songwriter. She would have these moments with God and then she was able to translate those moments with God into beautiful melodies and songs and words that would, my friend circle of songwriters would lean in every time she would share a song because they were beautiful. They were these moments with God translated into music and we loved it every time she'd share a song. Well, one time she went before a professor and a teacher's aide um, to share this song to try to play a gig that needed to, um, you needed to audition for. And for some reason, I don't understand, this professor and student A didn't see what everybody else saw in these songs. And they told her she was bad at playing her instrument. And they told her that she, um, she wasn't a natural songwriter and she left discouraged and never wrote a song again. Words are powerfully painful. When it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, this word unwholesome means rotten, decaying, like stinky, like fruit that you, it's rotten and you just have no use for it, you throw it out. I also found in my research that it was also used for decaying building materials, and I thought that was interesting, like wood that's rotten or bricks that are crumbling. And it's dangerous to build with rotten building materials, isn't it? Some might remember back in 2015, there was a terrible incident in Berkeley, California, where there were 13 young adults hanging out on a balcony five stories up, and suddenly the unthinkable happened, and the balconies broke off the side of the building, suddenly sending them all down five stories, and six of them passed. Terrible tragedy. The building was only eight years old. It was new construction. But the boards that were supposed to hold up this balcony were all completely rotted through. It's dangerous to build with unwholesome words. It's dangerous to build with rotten building materials. In some ways, we're all probably carrying around some of that in our hearts, some lies that we've believed, some discouragement that we've received from somebody else. And I'm grateful that we have messages sometimes about how God can liberate us from that and our identity in Christ can set us free from the lies that we've believed and how we can be set on a firm foundation in our identity in Christ. And even if we're not receiving words of encouragement from others, the Holy Spirit can speak to us and unravel some of that painful stuff that people have said to us. I'm grateful for messages like that. Today, though, I want us to think from the perspective of the speaker. And I want us to resolve in our hearts not to be the ones who are going to speak unwholesome words to somebody else, who are going to speak discouragement to somebody else. In fact, I had the sense in both the first two services that maybe there's some conviction in the room about it. Maybe somebody's feeling like, you know what, if I'm honest, I have spoken some words that probably discourage somebody else. And so I think maybe it's appropriate for us to just take a second to confess that to the Lord, because you know what his promise is? You confess, he is faithful. You confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all righteousness. So we need to take it seriously when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit of something that we've done wrong. And maybe there's an apology that we need to make, 
But maybe you just agree with me with this prayer, because I have done it too. This prayer confessing and asking for forgiveness. Lord, we are aware that some of the powerful words that have come out of our lives have been hurtful, have been harmful to other people. We've spoken curses and we've spoken discouragement. And so we confess, we admit it, we're sorry, Lord. And we wanna resolve to do everything we can, empowered by your spirit, to from now on say words that build, words that are true, spoken in love. Thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you so much that you, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance and that you move us forward onto better things in the future. So we're grateful, Jesus, for your redemption. Thank you for dying for these sins, paying for them, taking our guilt and our shame on the cross and raising us up to new life where we can move ahead. Amen. Today, though, I want us to think about the beauty. So there's some beauty in this passage, too. There's a good side. That the words that we speak have the power to do so much good in the lives of others. Good words of encouragement spoken can do so much good in the lives of others. We can meet people directly where they need it most. It says in this, in this verse, to build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And I found some very direct needs that people have in their lives that words can directly address, found in scripture. So here's four of them, there's so many, but here's four. The first need that I see being directly addressed by words in scripture is anxiety. So many of us feel it. And here's what it says in Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. It's true, right? We're feeling fearful, we're feeling anxiety creep up, and somebody speaks a kind word can truly make a difference. I had a friend in college, um, another friend, I was expressing some complicated emotions to you. I was just saying, like, I moved here from out of state, and I just started college, and I'm feeling strange. I don't know how to sort it all out. And she said, I don't know if I can help you very much, but a counselor could. You should go see a counselor. And all this anxiety rose up inside of me. I had all this fear to go see a counselor. I don't know why, but I had all this fear. And she saw it, and she said, counselors aren't so scary. They're paid to be nice. They're paid to listen. They're paid to give you encouragement. And her words really did, they didn't take all my anxiety away, but they definitely replaced some of it with courage, enough for me to go and have a great experience in college seeing a counselor. Second, when someone's discouraged or too hard on themselves or struggling to receive grace, encouraging, gracious words can be exactly what they need. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. How about the need to be loved? Everyone needs to be seen and celebrated for who they are. And words showing that you see them, words showing that you celebrate them and love them can be, meet them in the place of their deepest felt need. One of my favorite stories of Jesus is one that you could blink and miss. It's only five verses in the first chapter of John, and it's the story of his interaction with a guy named Nathaniel. And in this story, Jesus speaks a word of 
like really just a compliment to somebody that changes his life. I want you to notice the compliment that Jesus speaks when we read it, and I want you to also notice how it hits Nathaniel, how it lands in his soul by, based on his response. Let's hear it. In John chapter one, verses 47 to 49. Oh, sorry, let me give you the backstory. So Philip, Nathaniel's friend, had just met Jesus, is all excited, runs up to Nathaniel and says, I found the Messiah, he's Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, what, Nazareth? What are you talking about? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. He doesn't believe him. Philip says, you just gotta come and see. And so Nathaniel's intrigued enough to come with Philip to see if this Jesus guy is real. Before he even gets to Jesus, is when Jesus speaks the compliment. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus pays Nathaniel this simple compliment. Look, he was a really honest guy. I bet he would never tell a lie. And Nathaniel's like, that's true. I don't lie. I'm a, guy, I'm a man of integrity. How do you know me, Jesus? And being seen like that transforms him. He, begins, he comes, goes from being a skeptic to a worshiper in two verses here. It's amazing. How about the need for wisdom? We're all born knowing nothing. And then we grow up a little bit. When we accept Christ as our Savior, the whole purpose is to become a disciple of Jesus. Disciple means learner. There's a lot to learn in the Christian faith, a lot to learn about who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us uh, and, there, and what it means to live a godly life in 2023. Uh, the Bible has all the answers. The Bible is everything we need for living the life that God is calling us to live but we need to have a community to help us explain it sometimes, to help us grasp it sometimes. We need to be surrounded by people that can teach us and people that can share with us what they've learned from Scripture. And so an encouraging word could come in the form of instruction, in filling in the gap of knowledge that you didn't have before. We can build each other up by teaching each other truth. So words have constructive power Words can build. I can feel this in my own life where I know for sure I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't received some words of encouragement, especially from Christians in my life. I wanna share two stories of pivotal moments in my life where somebody had a word of encouragement. Both of these are actually words of correction, but they were spoken in an encouraging way and they changed the course of my life, I think. The summer before my freshman year of high school, I moved from Colorado to Oregon. And I was new, didn't have any friends, and had to make all my friends. And as a freshman in high school, that's tough. And so I hadn't decided what would be my priority in life. I hadn't really decided what would matter to me. I was gonna let my friends decide that based on who would accept me, right? Because um, that's what mattered in my life. Well, about a month into my freshman year, before the report cards were posted, I got called down to the principal's office in the middle of class. I was a pretty good kid. I didn't do anything that I could think of that deserved going to the principal's office, so I was very confused. I double-checked the paper. Josiah Stumbo said to go to Ed John, the principal's office. And so I took the walk of shame to the front of class and grabbed the paper and walked to the principal's office, and he's sitting there with my grades in his hand. 
And like I said, I didn't know what my priorities would be yet. Let's say they, I don't know what they were, I can't remember, but they weren't A's, let's say that. <clears throat> he also had my sister's grades in her hand. And he said, Josiah, I'm looking at your sister's grades and they're all A's. And I'm looking at your grades and they're not. And he said, Stumbos are A students, he said. <laughs> and he said, I expect you to get these grades up and I know you can do it. Now, I should have shared that I respected this man a lot. He was a Christian, super relatable. Everybody liked him. Somehow he learned all 1,600 kids' names within the first couple weeks of school and would greet people and say hello to them in the hallway. So a man I respected, but didn't want to be sitting in his office, <laughs> is encouraging me to make school a priority. And I did, and I had a great high school experience. I think a lot because of his willingness to correct me and challenge me and encourage me all at the same time. Then about a year later, I was at a conference and I felt the Lord speak to me and tell me, you're going to be a pastor. And I said, okay, I'll be a pastor. It was my call to ministry. I could explain that story sometime. Then I went to college and got my Bible and theology degree in undergrad and graduated and began the ministry of window cleaning. <laughs> I started, I got a job on Craigslist and started cleaning windows. And I think I lacked some confidence to really go out and pursue what I knew I was called to. To do. I knew I was supposed to go work in a church. I did find a part-time job in a church, but I still think that I was lacking the confidence to really go after what God was calling me to do. About four years into my window cleaning, I had started my own business, and I was out on a job site, and I had set up my ladders on the side of a house to climb up and step onto a roof and clean a second-story window. And I'm setting up my ladder very carefully because I'm afraid of heights. And I climb up this, and I'm so like, not like trembling with fear at this point, because I'd done it a while, but still overly cautious, very, very cautious to step onto a roof. I got to the window that I was about to clean, and it opened up. And there had been somebody on the inside, a construction worker I'd never met before, who was watching me. <laughs> and he asked, he said, I've got a question for you. And I said, okay. And he said, are you afraid of heights? And I said, you could tell, huh? <laughs> And he said, why are you a window cleaner if you're afraid of heights? And he got me. <laughs> it was a good question. I thought, why am I a window cleaner if I'm afraid of heights? And I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And then he said, I'm a Christian, and I think I have a word from God for you. And I said, okay, can we do this down there? <laughs> and so he climbed down and had a conversation where he looked at me and he said, I think you're running like Jonah from something. Don't be like Jonah, don't run away. Total stranger, had a word from the Lord and was willing to challenge me. But he, the Lord spoke in that moment with so much encouragement that I didn't feel condemnation, I didn't feel shame. I felt joy, honestly, because the Lord was saying, you're still called, I still believe in you, I'm gonna equip you, you can go. And so a few months later, I sold my business, I applied all over the country, and I ended up with a job in Olmstead Falls, Ohio, and here I am, because <laughs> this man was willing to, yeah, amen. <laughs> this man was willing to encourage me. Isn't it powerful? what we have, the, the power that we, isn't it remarkable, the power we've been entrusted with to build into people with our words. So let's use our words carefully, not letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, but let's be generous with the good ones because encouragement 
isn't encouragement if it's not spoken. It's less helpful to build somebody up at their funeral with, their, with your words of how much you love them, right? It's still good for the family and for the grieving process. But why wait? Why do we keep our mouth closed for encouragement? There's two reasons I thought of. The first one kind of stings because I find myself in this camp. The first reason, I think, is self-absorption. If we're not thinking about others very much, we're probably not gonna have much to say, right? Not gonna have a lot of encouragement if we're always thinking about ourselves and our troubles and our busy lives. Second one, if nobody's ever really taught us how to encourage, we probably will find it hard to encourage. If nobody's ever modeled this for us, or if we're in an environment where encouragement is not normal, where curses are spoken far off more often than blessings, where everybody's competitive against each other, and so of course you're not gonna encourage somebody else because you don't even want them to be stronger than you, right? If you're in that kind of family life, or that kind of friend circle, or if that's what it feels like at work, it might be terribly awkward to be the first one to speak blessing to somebody else. You might be being called to be a trailblazer. You might be being called to go change the culture and begin to speak blessing where curses have only been spoken. And I wanna encourage you that you can do it. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And the fruit of that spirit is love and goodness and kindness and gentleness. All of those bearing the fruit of blessing out of your mouth. The Holy Spirit of God will inspire you and give you the power and give you the chances to speak words of blessing to other people. And you'll watch as transformation happens. You'll watch as people are challenged and encouraged and where pieces that we're missing are put in by your words and they become strong. You can do it. How? How do we do it? Let's get a little bit practical at the end here. First, in order to be positively constructive, encouragement has to be true. The words you say have to be true. We're not trying to think of the nicest thing that we could say to somebody if it's not true, especially if your motive is to make them like you. That's called flattery. And the Bible puts that in the unwholesome category. Proverbs says, a flattering tongue works ruin. A flattering mouth works ruin. So it has to be true. And not only does it have to be true, your motive for speaking it has to be love. Let's look at these verses of Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, just a little bit before the passage that we had been studying earlier. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, that's the first time the love motive comes up. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Speaking the truth with the motivation of love and building itself up. It's that same construction word again, in love. Both times with love being the motivation. When the content you're speaking is true and the motivation is love, you are building if you are speaking truth, and the motive for speaking that truth is because you love somebody, you're building them up in a positive way. It's a pretty easy test. Am I saying this because I want to be right, or am I saying this because I love them and I want them to be better? 
Am I saying this because I'm trying to prove something or am I feeling the Lord's love for somebody and wanting to speak it? It's a good test for if your words are gonna be encouraging or not. And they'll go hand in hand. The more we receive from the Lord about what he loves about somebody, the more we're gonna have truth to speak to them. The more truth we understand about somebody, the more we listen to them and get to know their story and really understand them, the more we're gonna be able to access God's love for them. So if you wanna get started today, here are two ways that you can get started today getting better at encouraging. First, encouragement comes from Well, prayer leads to encouragement. Prayer very, very often leads to encouragement. Think about it. If you're praying for somebody else, what are you doing in that moment? You're taking some time out of your day to think about somebody else, and you're thinking about their situation, and you're thinking about their troubles. You're thinking about what they told you yesterday, or who at work might be bugging them today, or you're thinking about their life and what you know about them. But you're not just thinking about them, you're thinking about them in the presence of the Lord. You're thinking, Lord, what do you think about them? And you're asking the Lord to bless them. Lord, would you bless them in this area? Would you bless them in this area? And you're taking time and energy and effort out of your life to bless somebody else in specific ways. And if you ask the Lord to bless them in these specific ways, often he will say, yes, I would love to bless them, and I'd love for your mouth to be the one that does it. And he can open your mouth to speak the blessing that you've been praying for. So when we take, the more time we take to pray for others, the more often we'll have an encouraging word for somebody. Clearly, this guy on the construction site learned how to do that on the fly. He's praying for the guy who's too scared to climb the ladder, right? Thank you. I needed some prayer up there. My wife was always praying for me, too. (laughs) Don't fall off those ladders, please. Um, But he had gotten good at praying. We can do this as we go, as we wait in line, as we know we're gonna have a meeting with somebody. Pray for them, pray for blessing, and maybe God will let you be that blessing. And finally, last little practical tip, you can start today. Start saying the obvious. You can start by stating the obvious about somebody. Because what's obvious to you might not be even evident to them. What's obvious to you about some characteristic that they have that you admire they might not even know it about themselves or some potential that you know that they have if they would just do this or just have a little bit of effort or if they just had this resource. If you could see something obviously in somebody, say it. They might not know it. Some people are actually even striving really hard to get good at something and they've gotten great at it but nobody ever told them so they're still striving and they're still trying to get good at it and try to receive, and you could lower some blood pressure if you... Give them the affirmation they were looking for. (laughs) You could bring somebody peace of mind if you tell them, you know what, you're actually really good at this. Encouragement isn't just saying you're good at something, but um, thinking about them in the presence of the Lord and asking, what do they need? And being willing to provide those good things that he highlights. Let's become a family of Christ, a body of Christ, a community that's defined by encouragement. Let's become a place where it's really easy. I think it's already, we're here, but let's continually become a place where it's easy to speak words of blessing to each other, where it's just normal, where we don't have to work against any current. Let's get good at building one another up in love. It'll unite us in our mission together and it'll strengthen our health as a family. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you taught us by example 
that this is in your heart to encourage and to build people up in love. God, you're the one who split the sky open when you saw Jesus baptized and you said, that's my son and I love him and I'm pleased with him. And then Jesus, you told us that with the same love the Father loves us, you love us as well. These are the kinds of words you speak, the words of, the disciples called it the words of life. We're not going anywhere because you, Jesus, have the words of life. Jesus, would you teach us? Teach us to be like you. Teach us to speak words that bring life to people, words that make people come alive, words that unite people more closely to their God-given purpose, words that give people the truth that they lacked, words that give people the confidence that they lacked. When our friends are anxious and fearful, would you give us true words to cheer their hearts, to bring health to their bones? Thank you, Lord, for this family. Thank you for the encouragers among us. Holy Spirit, would you encourage the encouragers? Bless them to continue to do their good work. And may somebody reciprocate, that we can mutually edify one another. Thank you so much. We believe that you'll do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.